Before we get started, here's a quick word from another podcast that you might like. Hello, That's a Cult listeners. I'm Barry Maxday. And I'm Ben Vandeveld. And we'd love you to listen to Worst Foot Forward, our podcast all about failure. Each week, we're joined by a guest to discuss the world's worst something from baker to policeman, serial killer to mythical creature. We dive into humankind's darkest depths in search of the absolute pits. On Worst Foot Forward, we've learned why some conspiracy theorists think Saddam Hussein was building a stargate to unleash giant scorpions on the Middle East. He did what? (laughs) I know, right? How lacrosse can cause military catastrophes and what happens when the French make sexy computer games. While also uncovering murderous game show contestants, pirates who plundered hats as booty and learning why February 30th should be a Swedish national holiday. Subscribe to Worst Foot Forward on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from. Check out our website, worstfootforwardpodcast.com and join us for some fun-filled zero worship. I have had my reservations about this one. You may have noticed, um, but I'm a woman. Uh, I'm a heterosexual woman, to be more precise. So my life has been peppered with various interactions with men. Some professional, some very, very good, some a bit irritating, but fine. And then there's some absolutely abysmal talk to my therapist about it stuff. This topic involves putting some of those unpleasant interactions, or similar unpleasant interactions, under a magnifying glass. So yeah, it's weird for me. By the way, before we begin properly, uh, this is a very overwhelmingly heterosexual phenomena. Phenomenon? Phenomena. Phenomenon, that's singular, yes. I'll just say world. It's a very heterosexual world. And so I'll be talking about men and women a lot. I don't want to appear to be excluding anyone who doesn't identify as either of those deliberately. However, this is just a very gender binary topic. So that is why I will be using that language throughout. So pick up. Uh, I've already identified a problem. So my microphone, it's a decent-ish microphone, but it's certainly not the microphone that I want. I want like a far better one. It doesn't deal with P sounds very well. I mean, listen, p- 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 like it, it just, the plosive sounds, it just doesn't deal with it very well. I've tried to make a pop filter out of a pair of tights. It didn't work. I just, uh, I need a new mic and I'm like working up to it. Anyway, This topic is full of peas. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. Anyway, let's begin. Pick up, nailed it, began as an online-based guidance and education system for picking up women, talking to women, and getting something out of that exchange, be it a number or sex. Crucially, they have premium content that you have to pay for. Pick up websites have a lot in common with sales and marketing sites. The guru is smiling in the header. They have an exclusive club you should sign up to. They have a really aggressive sales strategy. Uh, If you're not a fan of pop-ups and newsletter sign-up boxes, don't, like, don't bother because it's full of them. Reading the content not as a documentary maker. Ooh. It's the first time I've said that out loud. That was weird. Reading it as a woman, 
just going about our business, most of it is just straight up not true. Some of it is about getting over social anxiety and shyness, which is a, a, a completely gender neutral topic, but it's framed around picking up women. Some of it's kind of bland and generic and a bit meaningless. And then some of it is just mental. I can't actually remember where I got it from now, but here's a quote. I would get close to her and whisper in her ear what I want boldly. Give it a fucking go, I dare you, honestly. The general attitude seems to be, be bold and what happens, happens. That advice sometimes works in life, it can get you quite far, if you're prepared to deal with negative consequences which are inevitable but when you're dealing with other people in a an intimate way that bulldozing approach is it's out of wolf of wall street it's not really a mantra to actually live by one of the things that's constantly baffled me throughout is it doesn't take into account any kind of nuance which human interaction is full of so it's all about how to approach a girl, what to say to her, how to get her interested, how to keep her interested. It seems to go down two main paths with the odd exception. So how to be attractive to women or how to trick women into thinking you're attractive or desirable in some way. I have read a lot of pickup sites, so you don't have to. Um, and here are three blog titles that I've picked out that from fairly popular sites that I think kind of sum up the range of advice very well. Sexually hypnotise women into doing anything using these three easy elements. I don't know about you, but I'm just getting straight up rapey vibes from that one. Good advice. Solid. Solid advice. Sarcasm. It is sarcasm. Number two. Men are nothing more than clowns to the modern woman. Three, mixed signals from a girl. How to read the signs and interpret them. To kick off, I wanted to talk to someone who's been there, read the stuff, tried it out and can give their honest feedback. His name's Ross and he got into pickup about nine or ten years ago but has in quotes, abandoned some of it over the years. Russ has some very solid common sense advice for the other guys on the subreddit, stuff the more macho, salesy pickup guys probably wouldn't advocate, such as, instead of thinking ahead to whether you will like this girl or not and what she can give you, think about how much fun it would be to give this girl a smile for the rest of the day and go from there. That's something he said about, well, in response to a guy who had a, like, anxiety about approaching a girl. And it's like the most sweet, positive spin ever. Just an FYI, that's the most positive, nice spin you're going to hear from pickup. So This kind of sentiment is a world away from the usual pickup advice, which is often brash and Machiavellian. So obviously, I had to talk to him. I got into this stuff, I think it was nine years ago now. I was 20 years old. I'm 29 now. You know, I just wanted to know how to talk to a girl. I'd had some girls who were interested in me, but through my own insecurity, that screwed it up. I'm like, man, I'd like to, it'd be nice to, you know, be able to talk about this stuff with someone who has a better perspective, maybe more experience. For me, just the act of approaching was the most freeing thing in the world socially. I mean, to think that I could do that without it being a big deal, I mean, that's a very powerful, freeing thing. One of the reasons I really wanted to speak to Russ is because he's done a pickup boot camp. 
which is where guys pay usually quite a lot of money to get this advice and techniques and uh, sort of one-on-one support firsthand. The boot camp Russ went on involved going in field, which is going into real environments to talk to women and see if you can get them interested in you. The coaches would then feedback on how you did, offer advice, and there'd be a debrief after. My situation was a little bit um, more unique in that I was under 21, so going to bars wasn't exactly like, it wasn't immediately an option. We actually went to my university and we cold approached girls during the day. It was scary, but it was also very exhilarating and it was an interesting experience. So a cold approach, how do you think it should be done successfully? successfully you know it really just depends on the girl like some girls respond to a more confident bold approach some girls respond to a more subtle almost what would be called a quote-unquote beta approach going in almost under the radar without spooking the girl too much russ mentioned the word beta back there um or beta as americans say not sure why alpha males and beta males are a very internet preoccupation it's potentially not something you've ever knowingly come across irl certainly not in that language or with those terms i go into it in a lot more detail in the nofap episode of this podcast which is episode number three i recommend you give it a listen after this or whenever really i'm not in charge of your life but it's very interesting because these all male communities often link up so if you're particularly interested in this go and listen to that episode too in one of russ's reddit posts he gave the r seduction community a bit of a dose of reality he told them what he'd learned and where from and who from and why he'd abandoned some of it so one of my key questions for russ was why What made it lose its appeal and its shine, particularly because originally it felt so empowering? One of the main reasons was the growing number of PUA teachers and how trustworthy their advice is or isn't. He got a bit disillusioned, I think, and when he put these things into practice, they weren't foolproof. Nothing is. Russ has actually spent quite a lot of time with famous pickup coaches. The details and their names were off the record, but I'll say this. It was surprising how obsessive and compulsive and unhealthy they sounded to me. That's the tea on that. I don't want to generalize too much, but experience most people I've met in this field, the vast majority of them are con artists, <laughs> especially the people who are like teaching or trying to make money teaching or YouTubing or any of this stuff. I think most YouTube quote-unquote pickup artists Teachers have no business teaching. And why is that, do you think? It's very easy to think you're good at pickup and not really be good at it. And it's also very easy to think that just because you're kind of good at pickup, you should be a teacher and you have no business teaching anyone anything. If you're somebody who doesn't really have anything you need to offer, you're just going to recycle the same advice you've heard before. Once you invest a lot of effort into learning a skill set, it becomes about the skill set at all costs and you sort of forget that there is another person attached to the end of it. And I kind of found myself going down that path and it's a, it's a dangerous one where you, you sort of, it's not that you forget there's another person, you just sort of see them as part of like a gang. It's a really weird, unhealthy mindset, but it's almost unavoidable if you get too deep into the stuff.
After talking to Russ, I had to interview someone who teaches pickup. And because he'd highlighted some of the YouTube coaches as being, well, con artists. <laughs> I love it when people get frank. Um, that's exactly where I went. YouTube is full of pickup channels, many of them featuring coaches covertly filming themselves approaching women in the street or in bars or wherever. They're called infield videos. And the main function seems to be to say, this is how it works. It took me a couple of days to summon up the mental strength to watch some of these videos. They make me feel so uncomfortable. And you know who else is uncomfortable? <laughs> some of the girls these fucks are trying to talk to. The sober ones, anyway. Some, some are receptive, some don't take it that seriously and they're fairly cheerful about it. But some are just waiting for the interaction to end. They're deeply uncomfortable. And I think these guys know they're making them uncomfortable too. For some context, if you can bear it, here are a few examples. Yo, what's going on guys? We're in the Whole Foods right now and I'm about to film some day game infield because that's what I do. I come to the Whole Foods and I harass women instead of actually buying any food. So I hope you guys enjoyed this video and here it goes. This is gonna sound really random, but um, can you stop a second? Your your pink shoes are just really like <laughs> eye-opening. I don't know what it is, but it's just very random. Like you got the black, like you know, blue, and it looks normal, but that just looks way out of the ordinary. Hey, what's up, you sexy heterosexual alpha males? In this video, I'm gonna teach you how to pick up girls in groups. She's Myself. got a boyfriend. So I feel like she's back off right now. No, I have a boyfriend just... as well. I have a boyfriend as well. Uh, what's your name, by the way? Emma. Way? Emma. Yeah. You always say like that. What? You shake you shake hands like you're the queen. You're like ugh. Hey. This is quite forward, but I saw you from over here and I thought you looked quite nice, so I wanted to say hi. Do you mind if I join you for two minutes? Um, I'm waiting for a friend. If you want, you can join. Is it your boyfriend? I have a boyfriend, but no, he's Oh, here. no, he's not Sorry. here. He's left the country. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, I'll join. That last clip you heard was James Tusk, a YouTuber and day game coach, which is talking to girls in the middle of the day, basically, rather than in a bar or club context. His email signature said, not one drop of my self-worth depends on your acceptance of me, Quincy Jones. So I took that as a cue to be a bit hard on him. He was a good sport though, to his credit. In my opinion, it's about becoming sort of the all-round 21st century man, so, which is meeting and attracting women during daytime environments. So you happen to see a girl, stepping off the tube in the morning or, or maybe coming out of a coffee shop or a couple of girls shopping. And you have the, I guess, the social understanding to be able to go out up and speak to her, show your intention and potentially, you know, form a connection and take a number. The way I can generate business is by showing what I do through YouTube. And then guys will see that as proof of concept that A, I actually am doing what I do and B, that is how you do it. I teach a conversational structure where you're going up and you're you're being flirty and sort of cheeky at the same time, whilst you're also showing your intent. So typically a guy will go up um, and he'll go, he'll just call out what he's seen. So, hey, I just saw you sitting in the coffee shop. I know this isn't maybe the done thing, but I had to come and say hi. I, I thought you looked nice. If it's an environment where the girl can't really um, escape from, say she's working or she's sitting in a coffee shop, then what I get the guys to do is sort of gauge her reaction. So out of 10, Ten being very receptive, she's flicking her hair, you know, she's she's smiling, maybe she asks him a question. Zero being she turns back to what she's doing or she sort of frowns. So if it's like she is receptive, then he'll just carry on. So he'll say what I notice about you is, blah, blah, blah. And then just keep, carry the conversation for the first two or three minutes. If she's not interested at all, he'll just simply go have a nice day. 
Um, some girls, and this is where maybe the industry has a bad flavour because you see all these harassment videos on the street with, with guys approaching them all the way. Some girls, they're not going to give you much to begin with. Um, they're just maybe they're a little bit introverted or they're just caught off guard. So if it's kind of like a medium reaction, then I'd advise the guy still to carry on and just keep speaking. Um, but also be aware of the fact that if the girl is suddenly disinterested, so then leave the situation. There does seem, from some of the videos you've posted of you approaching girls, there does seem to be a fine line to me between interest and this uh, the sort of middle ground reaction you were talking about. And because um, one thing I've noticed that you do quite a lot, where I imagine it could be intentional because you've got a very structured approach. But one thing I've noticed that you do quite a lot is you approach a girl from behind and you stand in front of her to yes. sort of block the direction she's going in. Now, it seems to me, please challenge this if you disagree, it seems to me that that's sort of kind of a bad start because she it's sort of a social norm to find it difficult to break away from a conversation like that. Yeah, I mean, it's deliberately done to uh, uh, what I teach is, is cold approach. Uh, it's interruptive cold approach. In a city like London, you're deliberately trying to snap um, the girl you're attracted to out of what she's doing. The best way to do that is by just basically going and getting physically in front of her. I don't call myself a pickup artist or any of this nonsense. I think the industry as a whole is a very seedy industry. What I'm focused on is, is, is helping guys meet girls during daytime environments because I think actually that's the most authentic and genuine way to do that. I think actually if you go to a club, get absolutely hammered and then buy a girl a few drinks and then take her out of the club when she's sloppy or you load fake photos of yourself onto Tinder and that's actually far more dishonest than being stone cold sober. You happen to see a girl you're attracted to, you genuinely go up and say she looks good and try and have a conversation. So look, there are techniques and gambits which weight it in, in favour of you when you begin. But, uh, you know, isn't that a bit like a girl going out and putting on loads of makeup? Everyone has, both sexes have their, you know, their plays. It is a game. True. Um, I think there's different reasons for putting makeup on. I mean, I, I it's really good to talk to you, and I think uh, you, you've already definitely, you know, encouraged me to see it in a in a different way. At the same time, some of what your videos show, some of it, not all, makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Some of the girls look visibly uncomfortable to me. I I know what you're saying about picking up on those signals and saying goodbye when it's right to, but I think you do push it quite far sometimes. Is there a particular video you uh, you can see doing that? Uh, well, there was one where you came to join a girl at a table. I think she was sitting outside on a terrace. I'm not sure where it was in the world. Uh, sure. Oh yeah, no, I know, I know, in Poland. Yeah, probably. Um, and there was a few others with, uh, there was one in, another one in Poland with a girl and her friend and the girl's body language to me looked quite like she was sort of waiting for it to be over. I say this as someone who's felt that, you know, yeah. and I can see your rationale, mm. uh, but I'm not, I'm not fully convinced, if I'm honest, that you entirely know when to say goodbye to the girl because she's not interested. Um, well, I can't read minds, Helen. At the end of the day, it is the guy's job to try it on. If she chooses to walk away, that's fine. If she doesn't want to give me a phone number, that's also fine. But I think the clips are referring to, yeah, you could argue maybe she gives me a phone number to get rid of me. But again, is anyone really a loser in that situation? At the risk of slight awkwardness and you know, offending the very PC crowded society, 
Personally, it doesn't concern me. So here's my own experience with Pickup. And one of the reasons I find it so skin crawly. I recorded this next bit about two months ago when I was planning this episode. It's recorded on my phone while I was walking around the house because I didn't want to forget it. I was planning on re-recording it and then I thought it sounded better, more natural and in the moment. At one point you can hear a lot of rustling. It's me taking a jumper off. Not the most profesh moment of my career, but definitely in keeping with the general vibe of this podcast, which is, I suppose, well-produced considering it's made in my dining room. It's been a few times where I have been approached by men clearly using pickup techniques. I was on a train going to a funeral. It was a very quiet train because it was in the middle of the morning and uh, he Okay, he asked me for a pen. I had a pen. He used that as a signal that he could then sit next to me on this empty train carriage and kept talking to me. What he was saying was really stilted. It wasn't normal flowing conversation, partly because I just was not really responding to him properly because I wanted him to fuck off. Um, And I told him I was, you know, I'm on my way to a funeral, so... And it's like he didn't even hear me. It was bizarre. It's one of the it's one of the most bizarre uh, exchanges that I've ever had in public. There's another guy who was on Dean's Gate in Manchester. I was walking past Waterstones, big up Waterstones, and um, he this really it sounds harsh, but this very very weedy guy. Like I'm five foot three. I'm also very weedy myself, and I think I could have probably taken him. He approached me, and he he sort of very he was very very forward. Asked me for my number sort of immediately, and I said, "Well, no, I don't. I don't give him a number out to complete strangers. I haven't at least had a a decent conversation with for ten fifteen minutes. Um, that's not a hard and fast rule, but I think it's quite a good one." He was his whole demeanor did not match the words he was saying. His the words he was saying were very, again like the first guy, quite scripted and quite planned. Uh, so I said no, and he he sort of he did you know he did to to his credit take no for an answer immediately, and I appreciate that. But I so I went carried on with whatever I was doing and came back that way probably half an hour 45 minutes later and he was wandering up and down still outside Waterstones like he was a pro I'm pretty sure he was just approaching women as like a a game or a way to I don't know test his abilities and test these pickup lines that is my theory that I'm going with I really do honestly think he was testing some pickup artist forum stuff and I think my exposure to it was fairly tame because he was fairly tame himself. But if he'd been more aggressive and more persistent, that could have been a really quite an unpleasant exchange. I mean, thank God Waterstones was right next door. I could just hop in there, hit the true crime section. I asked my closest female friends if they've ever experienced this kind of thing too. And the response was a unanimous, yes, dear God, yes. And this got me thinking about the role women play in the pickup community. They're the focus, yet they have no say. They're the people 
constantly being mythologized about and speculated about, yet they're never asked what they think. They're involved just by being a woman walking down a particular street at a particular time, but they've not consented to anything. No one's asked them. I wanted to find out what the female presence is like in this industry. So I spoke with Kezia Noble, the world's leading female dating coach for men. She's massively successful. She teaches all over the world. And she's even been on Celebs Go Dating, which I fucking love. It's one of my favourite shows. She's not a pickup artist. She made that very clear. She's an attraction expert. I think men, what they do is they say, look, this has worked for me, buddy. So um, you should try it out for yourself. And I think that, you know, fine, fair enough. Uh, that can help. But they don't necessarily know how they're making the woman feel. They just know that they're kind of generating some sort of results from the techniques that they're using. And on top of that, the techniques are sometimes congruent with who they are, and it might not be congruent with the person that they're teaching. I'm a woman, and I can give the insight, I can give that honest insight into why this works and why we respond to this kind of guy and not that kind of guy. None of these guys will ever be able to do that. They'll, they'll, they'll never also be able to pinpoint the moment where the guy becomes creepy because women sense creepiness before men. A lot of guys will say, that guy's a total creep. And loads of women will be saying, no, he's not, not at all. Because they're coming from an egotistical point of view. Like, basically, he's doing really well with women and they can get quite jealous and say, oh, he's just a creep. Usually women all connect when a guy is a creep. They, they all sort of put their hands up and go, yes, that's something creepy about that guy. That's my job. You know, I'm, I'm a trained eye. I can actually break it down and say, this is where it's coming from. This is this is why women are reacting to you this way. And I don't think a man can do the same thing. If a guy comes to me, a student, a client, I should say, because they're paying, and they say, well, Kezia, you know, I've got loads of numbers, but they're all dead ends, really. Then I haven't done my job properly. I show them what to say, how to say it. It's very important how you say it. I do help with mindsets also. So, like, you know, if you go up to a woman and you give her a compliment straight away, she would do one or two things. She'll either say thank you and sort of still be there, but write thank you, now what? Or she'll just walk away. In which case, you've literally lost yourself three seconds of your time. That's it. It's like the worst thing. You've lost three seconds of time. But if she's there and she's smiling, then you can go on to you know the next part of the sequence. There are three main sticking points that my, men come to me with. And I've been doing this now for over a decade, and those three sticking points remain the same. The first one is approach anxiety, getting over their fear of actually going over to speak to a woman, having a, a negative view of themselves and their value as a man, helping change their mindset. The second one is running out of things to say. That's like the most challenging part that, that men face when it comes to talking to a woman is actually the conversation. Because once they've delivered a fantastic opening line and they have this fantastic body language, this energy and, and the girl's smiling, then they're like, oh, what do we talk about? They just go blank. And they'll just fill it up with what I call white noise. Bland, prosaic convers you know, conversation and interrogation, all those classic, classic conversational mistakes that we all do when we're in that lazy mode or we are in a frightened mode. And the third one would be escalation. So taking it from a platonic interaction into something more flirtatious. So showing your intent, showing that you're interested in that. Um, I'm very, very tough with all my clients because they've made a tough decision. 
the point where a man says, right, that's it, I've had enough of not getting success with women and I need professional help, that sometimes takes quite a long time. And when men, I find, have made that, you know, taken that decisive action, they appreciate decisive feedback, you could say, and advice. Um, I don't like wasting time, you know, just being nice and pleasant and just saying the same old thing that they've heard a million times before, such as be yourself, smile more, be more friendly and outgoing. I charge a lot of money and I don't think that they would appreciate hearing that bog standard advice that they could get from a magazine. They really appreciate it and I have a reputation which is to get guys results and I can't do that going around the houses. I think that that is a, a core reason for why I've helped so many men. Do the men you coach ever try the techniques out on you and try and pick you up? Has that happened before? Only the very, very brave ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very professional. I've had it three times, two or three times. Guys have been like, you know, followed up after a coaching session and been like, I'd love to buy you a drink and I find you, you know, using my own techniques on me, which is, which is quite, quite sweet. But no, it's, I'm, I'm very strict about keeping my, my private life and my business life separate, especially in an industry like this. A lot of pickup philosophy is loosely based on evolutionary psychology. What women want, what men want, how women will react to something, what they find attractive, etc. We're all fairly familiar with the kind of men like big hips, women like big shoulders stuff. Is there more detail to it than we realise? To find out more, I spoke to John Sefsek, an evolutionary psychologist and assistant professor at Kent State University, Ohio. When we're looking for short term, you know, the, the physical attractiveness becomes number one for both men and women. In the, the, the long term relationships, physical attractiveness is still rated highly for males, for, for men. In fact, it's number three. But for women, it falls down the list. It doesn't become an indispensable trait anymore. For long-term relationships, what becomes more important for women tends to be those traits that display that they would be a good parent as opposed to they would make good babies. Nurturing and kind and having resources and things of that nature as opposed to just providing really good genetic quality, which is what is advertised and be very physically attractive. There's definitely environmental variation that is going to affect the degree to which we find particular traits important. In uh, short-term versus long-term relationships, right, there's a difference in whether or not women prefer physical attractiveness or, say, uh, having money, having resources. Right, again, long-term, women tend to prefer resources over physical attractiveness. Short-term, they tend to prefer physical attractiveness over resources. But if you look in countries or environments where there's uh, a lot of, um, well, it's kind of a negative uh, environment where there's a high parasite load, the only thing that really can help you fend off disease is having a strong immune system. Women there prefer physical attractiveness even in the long-term mates. That becomes more important than having resources. Um, another example that you know you've probably heard of is the idea of waist-to-hip ratio. That men prefer certain waist-to-hip ratios in, in women. 
the universal kind of ideal seems to be about 0.70, between like 0.67 and 0.70. There's actually a really interesting study recently that showed that um, even men who are congenitally blind, who have never actually been able to see anything, prefer the, the touch, the feel of a shape of, of a curve of, of 0.70. That seems to be something that is really kind of biologically ingrained. But when we look cross-culturally, we do find variations in that in resource-scarce environments. Men have a preference for a larger body size in women, whereas in uh, resource-rich uh, environments, men have a preference for a thinner sort of um, body size. And again, that makes evolutionary sense because in those resource-scarce environments, having a larger body size is an indication that that woman has access to resources that are necessary for being able to gestate and uh, provide for, for any offspring that are produced. You know, when we, we do research, it's, it's the, you know, population sort of average, this is what we find to be the case. Right, so it's beyond a reasonable doubt. So um, you may have heard of research that looks at, uh, for example, the, the idea of, of sexual infidelity and then there's emotional infidelity. And what the research has been reported as saying is that men are more upset by the idea of their partner having a sexual affair with somebody else, whereas women are more upset by their partner having an emotional affair with somebody else. And that tends to be the case when we talk about on average but when we actually look at the data, right, we find that the difference is in all men see it one way, all women see it the other way. We find about 60% of men actually say that the sexual infidelity is worse. But that means that, you know, 40% of the men are more upset by the emotional infidelity. According to the research John was quoting, when we're looking for a quick hookup, most of us want someone who's attractive and that's about it. Other aspects are less important. We're all a bit shallow. We've got that in common. When it comes to a long-term relationship, when you're actually getting invested, women and men's priorities vary a bit, but also have a lot of similarities. Attraction is more important for men, but both men and women value those altruistic, good-natured qualities that would make someone a good life partner more. So looks, they don't go out the window, but they kind of slide down the list of priorities. So were we really that different, men and women? Should we have such a divided way of approaching each other and mating? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound like we're that different. Plus, like John said, this could just be 60% of people. There's like 40% of people who would feel completely differently. See, I can do maths. Thank you. <laughs> it's probably the case that pickup artists and mentors will pick and choose the knowledge they want to use and refer to. And I can't call them out on that, because look what I do, for Christ's sake. I sit here with my iced coffee and literally choose who I want to talk to, the reason I want to talk to them. I then edit what they say to fit my kind of narrative or what I'd like to cover in the episode. Like bloody Mussolini. I'm not, I don't actually know enough about Mussolini, that comparison could be wrong. I, th I believe he liked architecture and I quite like architecture. However, there was one thing that Russ said that matched up really well with some research John was talking about. John calls it mate value, but Russ referred to it as hypergaming. 
So Mate Value is this sort of idea that we bring to the table in, in the dating market a variety of different traits, whether they're physical, psychological, or, or behavioral. Your Mate Value is sort of a summary of all those traits that you possess that the other sex finds attractive in a potential mate. Right, so we all have our own sort of perceptions of what our mate value happens to be. On the other side, we also have the people out there in the mating market who view us and they have their own assessment of what our mate value happens to be. Now, what we tend to find in research is people will uh, positively, assortedly mate on mate value, meaning that they tend to get together with somebody who is at a similar level of, of themselves on mate value. We don't often see somebody uh, in a long-term relationship who's going to be, say, and I'm just making up arbitrary numbers here, you know, somebody who's a five with somebody who's a 10 on mate value. You may see somebody who's a five, say, maybe in physical appearance with somebody who's a 10 in physical appearance because the five has some other quality that balances out the trait that the 10 is missing. Generally, in a long-term relationship, the ones that, that report the, you know, the highest levels of, of relationship satisfaction, stability, and so forth, we find people are very similar to each other on mate value. Hybrid gaming is the idea that um, women are going to try to trade up when it comes to mates. It's like some evolutionary psychology idea that POAs and the red pill people have turned into gospel. They've somehow believed that it is the most important concept. So you'll have this idea that women are always going to cheat on their guy with a more higher status guy, a better looking guy. Everybody mm. wants to date someone more attractive. Everybody wants to be in a relationship with someone who's successful, but it's not the whole picture, right? Like, and to focus on that during interaction is kind of idiotic and it never really works as well as people want it to. You know, it always seems try hard and insecure. By the time I took a boot camp, they shifted away from routines-based game to what they call natural game, which is basically attempting to embody the mindsets of somebody who would behave in an attractive way to women. Uh, one of the approaches that was popular for a while, which was, um, I think it was, hey, you, get your little ass over here. That oh, was, wow. And the whole idea was to assert dominance right from the open. Now, think for a second, what kind of girl would that work on? Poor girl, yeah. Maybe, like you said, maybe low self-esteem. Maybe just a girl that's drunk and she, like, who is this guy? Like, fuck this guy, whatever. Either way, the to me, a relationship starts from when you first interact with a person. Whether the relationship becomes long-term or not is different. But think of how that relationship is being set up. If you're attracting a girl based on being quote-unquote alpha, then you're just waiting till the next alpha guy comes in who's a little more alpha than you to steal her away. what is the the version of a, a 21st century man that you try to teach? I think it's basically the ability to go and actually just, just have that social freedom to be able to go and speak to women in any environment, show your intent. If you actually look at the state of masculinity, it's in the UK, it's a pretty poor example. Like men are shit scared to basically speak to girls in any situation unless they've had, you know, five or six tequilas from my, my experience. And it's pathetic. If I was a woman, I'd be fairly dis disconnected to the male species, to be honest. Why not speak to that girl walking on the street? Why not speak to that girl who's just looked at you maybe in the coffee shop? Why can't you do that? But also alongside, obviously, understanding social dynamics and being able to speak to women and understanding them to a degree, I think it's having your shit together in a load of different areas. So, you know, having your finances sorted out, being a fashionable guy, 
going to the gym, being in shape, pursuing other passions outside of this, learning languages, taking other things on, having an attractive lifestyle. Because if you have all that stuff and you can speak to girls, you're naturally going to meet girls and have a good time with them. It's that simple. You have to have innate value. You can teach a guy who hasn't showered in a week without a job to charge around the street and, and get a girl's phone number because he's very good at five minutes of sort of playing a routine. But if you get that guy, the girl on the date, the girl instantly recognises this guy has no value behind his, his sort of lines and it's all a facade. So there needs to be the substance, the foundations to back it up. You are a far more attractive prospect to a woman. This episode has been a bit of an unpleasant one for me in a few ways, TBH. Um, This is the first time I felt genuinely uncomfortable doing the research and planning interview questions has been like pulling teeth um, and I've watched stuff I really didn't want to watch and had conversations I didn't really want to have. Now, I didn't think I'd feel like this because I'm a messy bitch who lives for drama. Uh, And I like to hear about the dark things in this world. I like all that. I find it fascinating. I find the creepy subcultures with dysfunction just so compelling. And that's partly why I make this podcast. But usually I can dip in and out of it. And this has been about two months of my life. So this is the first time I've been dying to get an episode done and out the door purely so I can forget about it and hopefully put my YouTube recommendations back to normal because they're an absolute shit show at the moment. It's all pickup mixed with my usual shit. I'm not happy about it. After four weeks, which is when I aim to have an episode ready, I was not remotely ready and actually avoiding editing. I did anything but finish this episode. I painted a room and I sanded a door. That's the level of avoidance we're talking about. When I sit and reflect... It's not just the misogyny and the inconvenient biological arguments that get me down. It's partly the fact that I've been single for ages. Uh, I don't really talk to men outside of a business platonic situation or unless there's a bar in between us. So what's attractive or unattractive has honestly passed me by lately. When I say lately, I mean for the last year and a half. I sometimes feel like I'm on one of those airport travelators and everyone else is going one way in their couples and on their inexplicably successful Tinder dates and I'm going the other way completely alone and I can't turn around or stop the travelator and oh look I just turned 25 and I understand men even less than I thought I did at 18 so enough about my anxiety dreams. It's because of all that that I completely get why someone would go for this pickup stuff and think they need help. When I was researching female attraction experts and dating coaches, my cookies went mental and I started getting loads of targeted remarketing ads all over my social media for their courses and boot camps. So it's like I was on the receiving end. And yeah, I did fucking briefly consider whether a two-day course at the Shard with a woman who could apparently teach me how to find a decent man would be good for me or not. Yes, I did. I thought about it. Then I looked at the price and I was like, okay, maybe if I get rich but remain lonely, I'll think about it again. Let's get to the meat of it, shall we? Is pickup a cult? Well, mainly yes, but also no. 
Um, on the no side, people are generally free to evaluate the ideas and teachings. There are loads of slants and angles to choose from. There doesn't seem to be a massive focus on bringing in new people, apart from on a purely fiscal level. No one seems to be cutting off their friends and family either, which is a relief, because can you imagine that conversation? On the yes side, the pickup gurus are boss. They are king. If you're devoted enough and believe their message, they dictate how you approach women, how you see women, how you probably see dynamics and power within a relationship, and also what it means to be a man, which I think really you should probably decide that yourself, not because of what someone who charges for Skype sessions says. That sounds like a bit of a recipe for disaster. Pickup teachers are also not accountable to anybody. There's no regulation. They're very focused on money. And judging from what I've read on forums and been told, those gurus are quite happy <laughs> to maintain a loyal inner circle of devoted followers, even when they're super dysfunctional themselves. The most cultish aspect of all to me is that pickup teaches the ends always justify the means, so people aren't even accountable to themselves. According to one of Pickup's biggest names, Pickup is a deviant subculture of people who act outside of what is normally considered acceptable ways of thinking and communication. Different cultures will have a different approach though. Some are quite harassy and others are more about language games, some are about confidence, some are about masculinity more specifically. Whatever it is, most of them don't really seem to care what impact they have or what impact their followers have on other people because the girl either goes for it or she doesn't. So if she does, great, where can I sign up to your five grand boot camp? If she doesn't, oh well, collateral damage onto the next. So yes, on the basis of everything said so far, and also my very consistent discomfort with the whole thing, I think pickup is more of a cult than not a cult. That being said, I have empathy for the people who click the links and watch the videos and seek out the advice. They're not having much luck in relationships, I get that, been there hun. They're willing to try something and get out of their comfort zone a bit. And in that sense it's entirely understandable and even commendable. But please, do not go running after people in the street unless they've dropped their bank card or something. That's a Cult is written and edited by me, Helen McCarthy. I'm on Twitter at Helen L. McCarthy. The music is composed by Antti Luodi. You can find his information in the episode description. Thanks to my interviewees, Kezia Noble, James Tusk, John Sefsek and Ross from Reddit. Thank you for being patient as always. These episodes take quite a long time to make. I've certainly tried to make it worth it. If you enjoyed this episode or have any other thoughts, please tell me by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. And you can always DM me on Twitter if you wish. And as always, I want to hear your internet cult suggestions. Just email thatsacult at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing and reviewing. And yeah.